We continue the conversation about the Pope's apology, and Canada's Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations says it's up to the survivors of the residential school system to judge the merits of the apology delivered in person by Pope Francis. Mark Miller says it's clear there's more work to be done on reconciliation. The quality and sufficiency of that apology uh, will be judged by survivors, um, and, and Canada will stand by those survivors. But clearly what we've heard is that uh, it has to be the beginning and not the end. Ryan Moran is Associate University Librarian, Reconciliation at University of Victoria. He has been part of today's historic day, and he joins us now. Ryan Moran, good to talk to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What's your sense of the day and how you can begin to put this historic day into context? I think like many folks that were there today, I think personally I'm still processing what happened, uh, what I saw, what I heard, uh, what the words were that were spoken by the Pope and the ceremonies that took place. Um, What I do know is that uh, I was surrounded by residential school survivors. There was a great deal of emotion there. Uh, I think the tenor of the day was a mix of both apprehension and anticipation. And I think the real test is going to be in the coming uh, days and weeks and even months about, uh, you know, what the true effect of, of today's apology was. Language is important and the way that this was crafted. I think um, this is going to get analyzed for days and, and weeks to come, especially if uh, future announcements disappoint. But let's educate people. First of all, the doctrine of discovery and what needs to happen to that doctrine and what the expectation is of survivors when it comes to that doctrine. Mm -hmm. So the doctrine of discovery stands kind of on top of uh, these things called papal bulls that were issued a very long time ago uh, in the 15th century. Those papal bulls essentially gave power to explorers and to conquistadors and to missionaries to colonize and to subjugate indigenous peoples across the world. And that power, of course, was unilateral. Indigenous peoples never consented to this assertion of power. Indigenous peoples were quite fine, uh, you know, living in their territories. Those papal bulls, though, justified and gave way to the process of aggressive colonization that really happened world over. The doctrine of discovery sits on the shoulders of those papal bulls and is a bit of a one-two punch in regards to justifying the aggressive colonization of lands like Canada. The doctrine of discovery basically says that if you discover, quote-unquote, discover the land, and if there's no humans essentially living there, you can claim it for your own purposes. That concept relies upon, it's founded upon the dehumanizing of Indigenous peoples, the, the um, lack of recognition of Indigenous peoples' inherent rights, and the very sophisticated and complex cultures that have existed in territories across the world for millennia. The uh, abolition of, the repealing of those papal bulls, and the collective rejection of the idea that these lands were discovered by Catholics and by all Canadians, really is the starting point for our conversation on reconciliation. 
and really is the starting point that we have to be walking forward from you know today, tomorrow, and, and each and every day moving forward. Was there anything in the papal apology that referred to that? Surprisingly not, you know, and, and I think this is one of the real misses uh, from this particular apology because really I, I don't see how it actually would have hurt the Catholic Church in many ways to give this up. I think it actually could have been a really important sort of moral or ethical statement made by the Catholic Church acknowledging past harms, acknowledging complicity in the creation and construction of the processes of colonization. And it could have set a much stronger tone for the dialogue underway here and and in other countries. So personally, I was disappointed that I didn't hear that in the apology, because I think it was pretty easy to to give those up. Now, certain Catholics would say, or or Catholic officials would say, well, we've already repealed those, and, and there have been, you know, efforts in the past, but he could have gone one step further, I think, and he could have leaned into those concepts further because they are TRC calls to action. Uh, there have been many that have called specifically for the repudiation or abolishment of those papal bulls, and, and it would have been a, a, an easy win, I think. You're no expert on the on on the Vatican, neither am I, but I'm also, you know, know that. There's some very skilled communicators there, and I am wondering if um, the Pope is giving the same apology over and over again this week, or there's going to be other announcements with that apology, uh, simply because uh, the world is watching. This is getting significant coverage worldwide, and if you want to get coverage, um, the story has to sometimes change day to day. And I'm just wondering aloud whether or not um, this is still to come uh, in the days ahead here, that this is not just a one-off event. There's four more days of this. I think that is very likely a possibility. Uh, There are significant gatherings and public addresses that will be made by the Pope. Uh, in the coming days. And each of these presents an opportunity to craft or refine or adapt the message as they uh, travel. I think what is clear is is that there is a lot riding on this. And I think the eyes of the world are on the Catholic Church right now. Because what we are encountering here in Canada was so clearly wrong and is so irrefutably wrong that the Catholic Church and the Pope really have to rise to the occasion and really have to demonstrate that they understand the full gravity of their own actions, and not just the actions of a few bad apples, like they often try to pass it off on, but the actions of the Church as a whole. The Church was active in the construction, the maintenance, the advocacy for, the policy creation, And then, certainly, the physical and sexual abuse that wrecked so many lives and ultimately also uh, resulted in the untimely deaths of children. So there is a great deal riding upon this visit. I think the Vatican is likely quite attuned to that. But one thing that I did hear from Vatican officials that were present today 
when we showed the memorial cloth that contained the list of all of the children's names that we know of so far that never returned home from the residential schools. Some were very visibly moved. They literally broke down and started crying right away. They were shocked. And I heard one exclaim to a survivor, "Uh, we didn't know. We didn't know. That's troubling that they didn't know. But like all of these efforts of truth-telling, now they do know. And now they have a responsibility to do something about it. And it's in those moments that I do do still take uh, some comfort or some solace. Sometimes this is a one heart, one mind uh, battle. And uh, I think certainly I did see some hearts and minds uh, very touched and moved today. Richard Cluche with Rye Moran. Thank you so very much for joining us this evening. And a reminder of this being triggering. Um, the National Residential School Crisis Line provides immediately culturally grounded emotional support and crisis intervention to survivors of residential schools and their family members. The toll-free line is open right now. It's open 24-7 at 1-866-925-4419. What you just told us gets us to what also is very important is that the Catholic Church hand over the background documents that... The one thing I know, I think we all know, is that um, they were very good record keepers. And there are records still exist. What's your sense of full, total cooperation on the files? That is where the rubber meets the road, I think. And certainly my experience along this very complicated journey of truth-seeking and truth-telling is one that has brought me uh, sort of head-to-head oftentimes on the matter of documents with Catholic entities. Uh, it has not been an easy uh, quest or, or mission in some ways to access those records. Looking forward, the, the real test is going to be on the most sensitive uh, of records. Those are likely to be the personnel records. Those are likely to be uh, some of the codices that were written, kind of the, the journals of daily life and in the missions. They're going to be those records that many of the entities have kept quite closely guarded under uh, exclamation of privacy or, or need to protect uh, the individual privacy of the people that worked in those schools. But at least in the settlement agreement that governed all of the document production requirements, uh, you know, there weren't provisions made for the protection of individuals, really. If, if entities had documents that were relevant to residential schools, they had an obligation, a positive obligation to produce them. So the test is still to come. There have certainly been a number of very positive gestures made. There's been some positive words, some affirmations. Uh, officials from the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation were recently in Rome working within the Vatican archives. They discovered uh, well over a thousand residential school photographs and a a bunch of other significant correspondence. Uh, That's very positive. The test remains, though, on these more sensitive documents and these more secretive documents that uh, are really going to help, perhaps, uh, hold individuals to account and and, uh, really determine who did what to whom when. We'll pick up on that with our guest. Roy Moran is Associate University Librarian, Reconciliation at the University of Victoria, and one of Canada's foremost minds on this topic. I'm Richard Ian for Ben. You can text us anytime. Please do it safely at 877-399-9898.
Richard Kluche in for Ben with you from Winnipeg tonight. Ben is back tomorrow. It pains me to think that Catholics contributed to policies of assimilation and enfranchisement that inculcated a sense of inferiority, robbing communities and individuals of their cultural and spiritual identity. Ryan Moran is Associate University Library and Reconciliation at the University of Victoria. Right, I, I think of what has happened today and what still needs to happen as far as documents being turned over so we can find out um, and, and really trace responsibility here. But I also look at communities, um, some here in Manitoba, where I'm broadcasting from, that still don't have proper running water. I look at, depending on what province you are in, there's still very little or forced consultation with Indigenous people, uh, forced consultation through the courts. So while I hear politicians and the Catholic Church say things, actions are quite different. And when you talk to people... Um, the lawyers are making lots of money here because this is still a process that takes us before the courts and uh, working towards, you know, treaties that were signed years and years ago. And when I look at the results, indigenous communities are winning against governments that just aren't moving. So uh, you know, I, I guess my question is, um, at some point, Governments are going to get it because they're going to pay for it at some point through the courts because they are already are. Well, Richard, you know, uh, just paraphrasing here, uh, you know, one of the great civil rights leaders, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., said, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. And I think we really saw that today uh, so clearly. What we saw today was uh, uh, an intact, um, culturally strong, uh, determined collective of Indigenous peoples uh, facing down the Pope in many ways and saying, all of your past efforts, all of your things that you did to us, all of the things you tried to do to us failed, and we are still here, and now we are demanding an apology from you on our terms and in our territories. And we will be listening carefully to determine whether your words are sincere or not, and then making up our own minds about what the path forward with you looks like. Because here in Canada, the strength of Indigenous peoples will only continue to grow, is continuing to grow daily, and cannot be stopped and cannot be suppressed because each and every dirty trick in the book has been employed against Indigenous peoples, residential schools, genocide, the past system, exclusion from the economy, uh, uh, you name it, the list goes on. And there's still a lot of work to be done. But Indigenous peoples are still here, we are strong, and we are continuing to rebuild our nations, our cultures, our languages and identities. Governments will understand this at some point. They are increasingly understanding it and are beginning to recognize that Canada has failed Indigenous peoples profoundly through failing to recognize and protect the inherent human rights 
the human rights of indigenous peoples. And that's where, as we walk forward together, we are walking towards the implementation of human rights frameworks, the, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples in provinces uh, at the federal level and in territories. This walk towards human rights is something that collectively uh, concerns us all because human rights are something that we share equally across all of humankind. When one member or one group of the human family is attacked, we attack essentially ourselves collectively. We, we weaken humanity. So we will come to that point in Canada. We are increasingly, as Canadians, understanding the great moral injustice and the wrongs that have been inflicted here. And it will take time. But, you know, again, to borrow some other uh, words from the civil rights movements, we shall overcome. And, and the day will come when um, these, the worst of the atrocities are, are long in the rearview mirror. There's a generation of Canadians that are saying enough and, you know, pointing and wagging the finger at my generation saying enough, we want change. And um, Justin Trudeau, Mark Miller, premiers, you either get it or we'll see you in court. And uh, I think they're starting to get it. Rye, a minute left. I need to ask you the parting question here. Why do you do what you do? Somebody asked me this earlier today, and I do it because I have no other choice. Um, I have learned enough to understand, again, these great moral and ethical injustices within our midst in this society. And knowing that, I cannot consciously or knowingly live in a society that continues to maintain those moral injustices. So I have to do something about it. And I've walked the path that I've walked because I feel a sense of duty to try to leave things better than I found it, ensure that the future is better than yesterday so that my kids and your kids and, frankly, everybody else's kids can grow up in a world that's better than what we have today. It's, it's very simple in many ways. Uh, I just can't tolerate the injustice without trying to do something about it. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Right on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.